Another episode to talk about that, uh, a special Nashville tornado edition, Johnny. It's our end of days spectacular. I'm telling you, man, it has been a crazy, crazy few weeks. And this is one of those things where, like, even if you're not local, I know sometimes we discuss right. local things. Surely you've seen on the news uh, that Nashville was hit by Mount Juliet, yeah. uh, where we where we record. Yep, uh, we're right near the disaster area. I would say that the path of the tornado was about uh, quarter mile, uh, I would half say mile? a quarter mile from where I'm sitting right now to yeah. behind me. Yeah, went right behind yeah. all the stuff over here and so through we my very, old neighborhood. Very fortunate that that it missed the church. Yeah, uh, everybody again. Lots of people in Mount Juliet took a lot of damage. Um, I'll say this, our, you've met him before on the podcast, uh, yeah. Andrew, our lead pastor, his house was destroyed along with all of his vehicles. Yeah, so we were there yesterday helping them clean yeah. up and try to salvage what they could. Yeah, been there a couple of days. They're out there right now. Um, it's been... Uh, we told them we had more important things to do. That's right. Hey, you guys, <laughs> take a lunch break. We're going to run over here and record this podcast. No, I mean, you know, part of the deal is we do we do want to, you know, we've had a lot of people email and text or, or well, more probably social media, like checking on everyone's uh-huh. welfare. Yeah, I had a bunch you know. of people checking on yeah. us. So we you know, thought doing a podcast to talk about what's going on in Nashville might be good, and we could have some fun as well. Plus, we're raising awareness. That's what we can say. Yeah, we're, we're raising awareness. We're, it's, a, it's a community <laughs> service that we're providing, yeah, bringing we, levity and light. <laughs> well, we have Convoy of Hope Trucks, which is a relief organization in our parking lot right now, uh, distributing food and supplies and other things. And there's, of course, relief organizations all over the town. Uh-huh. And, and not just here in Nashville, East Nashville, man. Uh, just took the Germantown area, all that area just took, I mean, it looks like a bomb went off down yeah. there. Yeah. Some of these buildings on my way in today, you drive past them and it's like, you know, a 500,000 square foot warehouse looks like confetti. Oh yeah. It just looks like it wasn't ever a building. Well, there's a warehouse behind Andrew's house way back off in the distance and you can't really see it. It is a million square feet. Yeah. I think it was an Amazon fulfillment center maybe. And it's just, um, it does, it looks like. From a distance, you just think it was just piles of paper. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, I never seen anything like it pulling up to his house yesterday, his whole neighborhood, the end of his street. Uh, it looks like none of the houses were spared on the end of his street, really. I mean, no. the, the varying degrees of whether they were leveled or not. But, um, yeah, Andrew and his family were very uh, fortunate to get to the basement in time. The tr- A tree that fell on his house would have landed in his son Caleb's on his bed. Yeah. So he would be dead. It was one of those things where they woke him up and said, let's go. And then I guess it was just a few minutes later that it came yeah. through. Yeah. So they were just, uh, it was like a crazy snap decision to get to the basement. And, uh, luckily we have good siren system here in Mount Juliet. I've heard that Cookville wasn't as lucky as far as siren systems. They didn't have a lot of warning. Yeah. A lot of people in Cookville, it seems like it just hit them. They were in bed and there's, I mean, the loss of life is greater in Cookville. So it yeah. hit the plateau. If you don't understand Tennessee geography, if you head to past middle towards east, there is what's called the plateau. It goes up um, all the way through Cookville, Crossville, then comes down the other side into Knoxville and kind of the Smoky Mountains. Um, and my brother-in-law pastors there and my brother lives there in Cookville. Yeah. So we were kind of figuring like it would have lost strength yeah. there, but no, it gained strength. It came, became an, uh, uh, an F4 there. EF4, I think is what they Yeah. Are. Somehow it gained. And I, I'm not a meteorologist, but I told him, I was like, I would have figured it hit mountains and hills right. and it would have, you know, slowed down, but somehow it accelerated and, um, people yeah. there, man, it's, it's, it's just a lot more of, of loss of life. I think yeah. the loss of property and everything is, is bad from Nashville on. Um, but it just, 
kept going. I mean, Cookville's a long, Cookville's yeah, it was 100 on the ground. miles from here. It was here. on the I mean, ground for an hour, they said, uh, a full hour. Just yeah. uh, crazy. And um, and then we have coronavirus. We got, it's yeah. a whole thing. We're just... Yeah, we're in the we're in the comedy uh, category of podcasts. Yeah, not but. today. <laughs> Has anyone tried repenting? Because these are plagues. Come on, guys, uh, what are you doing out there? Someone <laughs> open a Bible. No, that's just, right. No, these are plagues. That's funny. Uh, yeah, somebody said that there was an article yesterday about some church, or somebody tweeted out like some they saw a church billboard and it said like is the coronavirus judgment from God. Come this Sunday and find out. And it was like, are you kidding me? Come on, yeah. church people. Pull it together. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully the answer was no. Hopefully maybe they, the maybe was, they were trying to, yeah, to yeah. lure you in. And then, yeah. Yeah. We've been talking a lot and, you know, we're in a series uh, using videos right now. You've been here for several uh-huh. weeks because you, yeah. you were home a lot for this. And um, we're using videos. They're called the Bible Project videos. And they are unbelievable. They're, they're, yeah, they're like, very educational and yeah, there's seven to and 12 minutes. And they're good minutes. at like, not just like, here's what happened in this book of the Bible, but it's like what the overarching narrative of it is, yeah. which some of it's really subtle and I'm learning a lot from it. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, when we do the pitch, we use about 10 minutes pre, you know, before mm-hmm. the video. And I tell them every time that I'm speaking like, Hey, uh, this is this video is the sermon or a part of the sermon. We expect it to teach you more information than yeah. we're going to teach you. We're going to really talk about application to how it works in our community. But like, pay attention, take notes. And it's very entertaining. But it's one of those like it it it's being drawn in this kind of uh, frame. And it zooms in and out of the frame, yeah. so it makes like this visual with the arrows and the flow of what's happening, and the guys yeah. talking, narrating. But you're watching it being. It's drawn like the as old UPS whiteboard commercials, yes. in a way. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, very well done, though. And so we were talking about Exodus and the plagues. You know, I was doing yeah. the first half of Exodus, and what I love, there's so many like things to it. It wasn't, it you know, one, it wasn't just God hardening Pharaoh's heart from the beginning. You really read that story, you you determine that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. His heart was hardened by other things. It wasn't till the end, like the first five plagues. It says that Pharaoh kept hardening himself, mm-hmm. and each of those five plagues corresponded to one of the Egyptian gods. Mm-hmm. And so there was a message being sent through there. It wasn't just random. Them, you know, pestilence and destruction. No, the frogs meant something to the Egyptians. Like God right. was showing them, I'm the true God. And of course, you go back to Genesis that God wants to bless Egypt and all the nations of the world. He wants them to know who he really is. But yeah. now sin has separated them. And so he's even in the judgment to try to free his people from captivity. There is a purpose in it. Of, yeah. of wanting them to understand, hey, you don't have to worship this false thing anymore. This is real. I'm showing you that I'll overcome that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and even Pharaoh's own advisors were like, stop doing this, Pharaoh. <laughs> you know, they thought he was crazy. And then the second five, uh, you know, God says, well, if you're going to let your heart be this way, I'm going to use it to show my glory and, and release my people. But even to the very, very end, Pharaoh could have put blood on the doorposts. Like he yeah. made a way where judgment could pass over him. Uh, and that's that the grace of God. And so it was just fascinating to me. I, yeah, I don't believe that the coronavirus or tornadoes or those things are, are I think that we they're were only kidding. a result on, of the listeners. fallen world, everyone. Oh, geez, um, please. Yeah. I will say this about coronavirus. I'm fascinated by because social media, obviously, you know, you see people sharing memes about it. And some of them are very flippant about coronavirus and some of them are very panicked about coronavirus. Yeah. And I think it shows like no, some of these aren't going to age well. Like yeah. the people who are like, this is nothing. Just wash your hands. The panic is causing more problems than the actual virus. Yeah. Like if we, if this goes on to be like a global killer, like where we're, it's just a plague that, you know, wipes 10% of us out. 
Right. Those people are not going to look good. And the people who panic, like, it's like we want to be right more than we care about anything else. Yeah. We want to just put a, a huge, like, strong opinion out there and then be right about it. That's more important than anything. And I think that's interesting. I think that's what social media culture kind of perpetuates. It's its own virus, John, in a way. <laughs> that you, let me tell you something. I can get on board for that, yeah. that uh, metaphor. And again, I, it sounds like I hate social media. Uh, I don't. It's just You can follow us on social media. Follow us. At TalkABThatPod. I just have always contended, and much as what you're saying, social media is just not a real conversation. As right. long as you're aware of that. And that it has more negative effects than a real conversation in that you can soundbite, you can extract pieces of what someone said, or you decided to, and we talk about this all the time with Sadie, um, we were watching uh, the other day the show, did we talk about this already? I don't know. We talked about Miss America, the team oh, Miss America. Maybe, I don't, I don't think it was on the we air. Did. No, we didn't talk about so it. So they made a joke, it was on uh, Henry Danger, which is a Nickelodeon show. Yeah. And... The Henry parent, Danger? Henry Danger. So it's the the whole premise is there is a superhero who's indestructible. Yeah. His name is Captain Man. It's all kind of real tongue-in-cheek stuff. And he chooses this kid as his sidekick. Okay. This guy named Henry. And so it's ridiculous. He wears the mask and everything. But, but you know, it's like five, six seasons, and it's really, really funny. Like, it's funny for grown-ups to watch some, too. There's a lot of humor, aha, at the camera kind of thing, you know. They know. It's, it's canned laughter, which they acknowledge sometimes, you mm-hmm. know. So... And these ridiculous sort of um, patterns in the show. So it's one of those shows we can watch together uh, and laugh. It's her show, Johnny. But yeah. I watch it with her and we enjoy the time together. And so um, in in one of them, the, of course, the parents, Henry's parents are idiots. They never realize, like, he's always running out the door. Oh, i got to right. go to work. Why? Oh, it's, you know, they, right. you never know. It's like Lois never seeing the Superman right. is just uh, Clark with, without exactly. glasses. And he's just wearing a mask over his face. He looks exactly the same, but they yeah. never can tell, you know. So... And aren't we all wearing masks? Isn't listening? that true, though, listener? Oh my goodness! Wow! And guys, we okay. thank you to listening for listening. So, be uh, <laughs> fair, we just ended the episode right there. <laughs> See you next time on. Uh, it was Talking a about very that. abbreviated episode. And so, like the dad comes out of a store, something's happening in town, and the news media is going to interview him. He runs home. He's like, "Guys, I was on the news. On the news. Let's turn it on. Turn it on." And he gets there, and he he basically starts going, "You know, uh, well, I believe all." United States Americans should, or those in the Iraq or in the, and he starts going into this, you know, such as, such as, and so I realized that that came out in like 2015, which is around the time that Miss Teen America had that infamous interview with Mario Lopez, with her weird rambling answer. Yeah. She either didn't hear what they said or something. And like, she was trying to fit in everything that she knew to say. And, and man, I mean, we've all laughed at it, right? Have you laughed at it? John, I don't. John, I, I don't want laugh an own confession people's. right now. I don't that, laugh at other people's misfortune. <laughs> sure, you don't. And so, like I said, Sadie, honey, you probably don't realize why this is funny. And so, Laura and I pull out the clip and show her, and Sadie's like, "Oh, what's that?" You know. So we're kind of trying to help her understand the joke. And then Laura go, proceeds to tell me that apparently all this stuff came out about that girl who mm-hmm. did that, and like she almost committed suicide. Yeah. Because the, the barrage of bullying and and you know ridicule was so great. Apparently, she went to college and like a bunch of baseball players on the team surrounded her at a party and just like made fun of her. Like people put notes in her parents' mailbox that said, "You should kill yourself. You're so stupid" or something. Like yes. it was 
Like the, the, and so I was like, oh man, I mean, it had this moment of, oh, that was kind of funny. And then you realize, right. It has real world implications. Yeah, like that was a person, effect. which I was like, Sadie, honey, maybe we shouldn't have laughed at her. You know, I didn't realize it had gone, you know, that far. You, you'd hope that she'd laugh at herself or look back, but how could you at a formative moment yeah. in life at the biggest moment of life you'd ever, you're in the, you're on a national international stage yeah. where it's literally a pageant. Like it's literally to be seen and heard. And so <laughs> in that moment, it reminds me, remember that one interview I did where I couldn't get the word, what was the word I couldn't get out? Like it was, uh, it was, it was with a, a high ranking public official <laughs> and, you know, and I was trying to say oh, colloquialism. colloquialism. Yeah. Like over the last episode where I couldn't say uh, blasphemy, like yeah. for some reason I couldn't get it out. I don't know. You know, so, but I didn't do that on national yeah, television. It's like everybody thinks that they would nail it on family feud. You're screaming at yeah. the television because these people are idiots. And then you don't realize like it's a studio audience. It's hot lights. Yep. It's the question being put to you by Steve Harvey. He's waiting you know, all the other four answers have been taken. You have to do it. You know, there's money on the line. There's embarrassment. It's a whole different world, you know, or Jeopardy is the other one. Like, if you're like, you know, oh, these stupid people on Jeopardy, I could do it. No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. <laughs> Under pressure is a whole different ball game. Right. It just really Or same thing with uh, I'll watch a basketball game. And I'll see the guy miss. We need we need you know two free throws to win, and he right. misses the front and a, a front end of it. And I'm just like, I can hit. And I say it all the time because I'm a pretty good free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. I can hit that free throw. You know, yeah. yeah. On national television with right. you know Coach Barnes Your yelling from the, the sideline. Uh-huh. You know, and twenty thousand people. You're they're right behind the goal, waving all the stuff through the glass. I mean. You're you played a whole game. It's it's it's. I like the person that just homes up, holds up the foam brick like a gigantic. <laughs> You ever seen those? It's just a gigantic brick they're holding up. Well, I love it. Thompson Bowling in Tennessee, they have all these pregame things. The student section brings newspapers. I didn't see them do it last time I was there. (laughs) You you remember this. Oh, I know. When they're reading off the other... They're just pretending to look at the newspaper like they don't care. The whole student section is newspaper. Forward, uh, starting forward, and they'll say his name. The newspaper covers their other faces. Then everybody puts down the paper right after they say his name, and they go, Sucks! (laughs) Yeah, and then they put the paper back up. (laughs) So it's like... It's so like, yeah, I love it. There's a lot of traditions that's there. That's like a hazing, uh, but it's, I mean, I think that's in fun or whatever, but. I think it is too. I'd, although, I mean, again. Uh, who knows? We played South Carolina the other day, and Josiah Jordan-James, our five-star, you know, who came, he's a freshman. Josiah Jordan-James. That's his name, yep. Triple J, babe. Yeah. And he, of course, he didn't stay, he was from Charleston. Sounds like a guy who was on Dawson's Creek. <laughs> it really does. You know? Apparently people were like. You should have stayed home. You and like they were like oh, yeah. really screaming. It's like, dude, he's eighteen, guys. Like I saw one of our players who's four, and they were shouting out like, "This is America." Yeah. Oh yeah. Like what in the I world? Know. Well, I was at a game. I told you I got to sit on the very front, like very very front row, and the refs were butchering. Yeah, you were right behind the coaches. Uh, no, I was on the opposite side on this one with oh, the other coaches. Yeah. So yeah. you weren't able to coach. No, I wasn't. But <laughs> well, I gained a lot of perspective from that game. Matt was with me, and. And like me, you yelling from the TV versus watching how fast and tall, mm-hmm. like this is a fast moving thing. And so they trapped one of the freshmen, the freshman point guard, Vescovi, yeah. right in front of us. People were flying into the, into the seats right around us. Like you had to watch or you're going to get run over. Yeah. And, um, he got trapped right in front of us. So he's from me to you. Like mm-hmm. he's probably closer. Actually, he's probably four feet from me and I'm watching these huge, we were playing, um, Texas A&M, I think. And I'm watching these huge guys trap this, you know, guard who's a freshman who'd been yeah. in town for like a month. 
and I can hear the uh, like the grunts. I mean, they're the, the, the slapping at the ball. The and then you know he managed to get the ball out, and we scored on the play. There's not Johnny. There's not a chance on God's green earth mm-hmm. if I would have been in his position with these two six foot ten yeah. guys with this like a you just, seven foot you just wingspan. Soil yourself. I just. I mean, and he's, I need a timeout to change my pants. <laughs> I would at least traveled. Like yeah. he managed somehow to come out of that, throw it across. He was totally trapped to the sideline. And I just was like, I looked at Matt. I was like, my respect now mm-hmm. for like how you these are kids, man, yeah. and they're doing an amazing athletic feat. I was like, you know, I don't know. It's been hard for me to ever criticize again what they're doing out there, but it was um, it was unbelievable. But a guy walked up behind us as they were leaving because the ref made a bad call. It really mm-hmm. was a bad call, and they're screaming at him and they're almost threatening the ref. Yeah, and I just. I just, I don't know. I don't, I've screamed at refs before and I'm not happy with the ref, but the guy, <laughs> okay, you'll get this and I'm sorry, but it was very East Tennessee. I guess it could be anybody, but it was very East Tennessee for UT fans. And I am one, so I yeah. can say that. Like it's a, sometimes there's just like an unreasonable for all fans at all places. Right. But he, he walked up and screamed from the front row. He was leaving, not even staying to the end of the game. Yeah. He was leaving and he was like, hey. And he's trying to scream at the ref. He's like, hey, you look at me. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, of course, the ref's not going to look at him. No. You know. Don't and he do it. And I, looked, I turned around and looked at the guy, and he's got this, it was all bravado. He had probably been overserved. Maybe. They do the serve least. alcohol now. Yeah. But the deal was, he was doing it for all of us to hear him. He wasn't doing yeah. it for that guy to hear him. And, like, hey, look at me. Mm-hmm. Like, you think one guy who's a fan... The ref owes you an explanation. The ref's going to look at you, yeah. make high contact, and y'all going to have some standoff or whatever. It was just so... Like, I did almost... I You're almost, embarrassed for your fan base. I was very like embarrassed. That. I almost yeah. laughed at the guy. Like, dude, come on, man. None of us are, none of us like it that we lost today. Yeah. But what are you, what are you doing? Like, Rick yeah. Barnes can say, hey, look at me. He's the coach, and he knows that guy on a first-name basis. But even then, I, I, I just... I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. And either. guys, that's why we're handling on Tornado episode the important stuff in this world. <laughs> like the fan base yelling at the refs. So it's a we well yeah, we yeah, I don't know. It's a we we need a, a a distraction. But I think that's kind of the way social media is where we got. That's why social media it's a my worst moment in life I wouldn't want forever enshrined mm-hmm. to be a soundbite. You know, uh, and and even my worst moments in ministry or things that I preached that you know they weren't necessarily heresy, but I've grown. We talked about that at breakfast this morning. I've grown, and I I would say it differently now, or I would have maybe more empathy for you know the the position or the viewpoint of people and what they're dealing with now than I did then. You just can't know what you don't know yet. Yeah, it's like when somebody gets out of uh, like let's say somebody gets out of Bible college or seminary, like that that fire that they have and this idea that like they're going to do it the right way. It's, it's kind of, it's always amusing yeah. to see, uh, cause they've not got any real world experience maybe yet, yeah. but we've all been there where it, at some level, like young comics are the same way. When you meet a comedian that's been doing it a year, mm-hmm. he just doesn't understand why every show is not going to him. Why yeah. would you not want me on your show? <laughs> I've been doing this a year. I'm ready. <laughs> Right. And you just, like you say, you don't know what you don't know. And yep. so you see somebody that's been doing comedy for 17, 20 years, and you look at them and you're like, this bitter guy that didn't get his you know, sitcom is going to try to tell me what to do. And then once you've been doing it a long time, this is my 13th year. And yeah, you start to realize it humbles you. You're like, yeah, this they were right. <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that I did not know. And yeah, 
and uh, you can only get from from doing it. Well, and I think young guys can have super high levels of talent and leadership. And they can have a lot of good ideas, even. And sometimes you need that excitement and that lack of jadedness in your life. You need both. You need somebody that's seen a lot. But you also can you can discard some of their opinions too. If you see somebody that's just like clearly always negative, yeah, yeah you may think you may think this is what's going to happen, but it never works out. Well, no, sometimes it does work out. Yeah, so you're wrong there too to be that jaded. But you need a balance of things. And there guess. may be a reason it didn't work out for you. Like I'm learning that. Like you see somebody and they're, I have to face that in my own life. If I have perennial shortcomings as a leader or other things, then. Some of it may be circumstantial, and it is a possibility that all of your whole life can have circumstantial things. Um, there's also probably things that are blind spots that I'm not seeing that I need yeah. to address in community. I, I need somebody. Like, my my greatest desire is for um, somebody to mentor a group of people to keep sharpening. Like, in the, in the early days, I, I think I would have wanted that. But like now I go, man, somebody who's got my back in, in all areas showing me. In fact, I mean, there's a I'm texting with the elders of our church right now. You know, I just got a text on a question I was asking counsel for, mm-hmm. and they're giving me counsel. And so, you know, when I was young, number one, I don't I don't think outside of friends and peers, I didn't know who to go to counsel for. But, man, you create an opportunity for somebody who's young uh, and new in something who may have talent. Yeah. But to have other people around them who can sharpen them and they don't see that as, as stealing their thunder. Yeah. You know, or knocking them down a peg. But, uh, yeah, you don't want to be somebody who's telling them. I struggle with that. You know, we have a, a brand new student ministry director. He, he's his name is Ty. I Ty met him yesterday. Yeah, very nice guy. So great, man! What a great young couple. And um, they're been married less than a year. They're having a baby in June. <laughs> I mean, and they've taken this job. They've had a lot of experience in ministry for their age. He's twenty two. Uh, she's nineteen. And man, they're sharp. I mean, so sharp. Uh, and. I don't ever want to be like you said that old older guy yeah, dumping water on the fire, right? Yeah. Especially the guy who had the job before for so long. You know? Yeah, you don't want to just be contrarian just to be. Ah, uh, you may think you're excited. Yeah, you th- I thought that'd work too. Turns <laughs> out it didn't. You know. Yeah, there's a balance to it. It's like it might work for him because he may be better at that than uh-huh. I was. You know, but then you know also trying to mitigate pitfalls. You know, trying to help mm-hmm. him see. Okay, hey, you know, there might be a better way. Just feel resourced and feel. So I mean, I'm I'm working on that as a somebody who's you know in charge of that part of helping them integrate into what they're going to do mm-hmm. and um so it it's you know but it can be so helpful like as a writer it's so funny i got rejected and we say this all the time but i have stacks of rejection letters i still got them somewhere and in fact my first rejection you, just, you stare at them you put them in a pile and you be like mm, these people <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I'm not that guy like, oh, I'm going to prove all the haters wrong. Like, I'm more a hater now yeah. of myself, and, 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 and I use that in air quotes, you know. Like, I don't, I did, I was that guy. Why in the world? This is a great book. Uh, this is the first one I've written, you know. It's a great story, and I totally get that, and sometimes that happens, you know. But I'm kind of shocked now when something gets published because it's like, yeah, I don't have that huge of a platform. I get it. They're putting a financial investment into this and, and whether or not I have 20, if I had 200,000 Twitter followers and that might equal 20,000 books sold, which helps them get their investment back. Like you see sort of the business of it, you know, regardless of how good the ideas are or not. And then the flip side is, is we talk about this too. I'm at a place of like, look, I want to do my best. I cannot, I can give myself to building that platform. I can give all my energy into that. Mm-hmm. And I know where that leads for me. Like that's not a good place for me to be as as a disciple. It's just not. Like it it 
it brings out the worst parts of me. It feeds the parts of me that need to be starved. Um, so I have to find this middle ground and partner with the right people and then really just give way to like, look, I'm going to trust the Lord on these things and do what comes next. And all the time things seem to come in, in, in the way that the Lord wants them to come. And it may be that he doesn't want me to do that anymore at some point. It may go away. So finding that balance between stewardship and and just like completely pursuing at all costs everything where I neglect yeah. the other things in, in as a pastor or in community or my family and those kinds of things. So it's like a it's like a a, a balance, but it is a good feeling that every time something happens, I'm pretty surprised. I mean, not cuz I don't think I can do it, but I recognize opportunities don't yeah. they don't just you can you don't create them. Yeah, to me it's like I feel relieved uh every crowd like when the first couple of jokes land, I don't feel surprised, but I feel relieved. Yeah. You know, I'm not like, well, of course, <laughs> I'm a genius. Of course <laughs> they're going to love me. Yeah. I don't ever enter a, a, a somewhere like that. Sometimes you can have an idea. Like I did a show in uh, Delphi, Indiana last this past weekend. And I had uh, my buddy John Branion lives in Kokomo, Indiana. He came down and graciously, he's a headliner, you know, 20 year comic, yeah. brilliant comic. But I asked him, hey, come do time on this show. Hopefully they'll see you and they'll book you the next year. That's what you, that's what comics do for each other. And it's a ton of comics have done that for me. And so he came down and the crowd's kind of rumbling out there. And you're, but I sent him out. I guess, do you want me to come out in the middle, like kind of what Tim does? I said, well, I want to bring you out at the end and we'll do some one liners together because John's brilliant at writing one liners. So I was yeah. like, okay, cool. So I'm going to have you cut and do a cold open, which means like, Hey, they, ladies and gentlemen, John Branion, and they, he comes out and falls on the sword of like the weird first few minutes of the yeah. crowd trying to, so people are still coming to their seats sometimes. Mm. Maybe the lights haven't been lowered all the way. So he comes out, and does 15 out there while well, I was hearing him just destroy. So you have an idea like this is going to be good. Yeah. As long as I'm, as long as I'm even halfway with it, John's warmed the crowd up for me. Yeah. Uh, so that was a good experience knowing that, but sometimes you go out, you don't know. You're like, all right, let's see if tonight's like the other nights. And sometimes it's like, it takes five, 10 minutes for them to warm up to you or get on your point of view. Yeah. They're learning about you. And so there's that, there's that relief that you feel like, all right, this worked in my head the way it's working tonight, but well, it's never like, well, of course they left me. No, no. And I, yeah, you can be confident. Like I, I'm always I'm, I like the idea that I know I can serve somebody. Mm -hmm. If we if we mix well, and I feel like that it's there, okay, and they like what we're writing, yeah. then this is going to be fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Once they're over that hurdle of, is this guy, can me and this guy jive? Yeah. Do we, do we G-Haw, you know, together? Do we what now? G-Haw. <laughs> that was, yeah. I don't know what that is, John. It's like an old, it's like a, it's like I a. I think you mean hee-haw? <laughs> It's a, <laughs> I think it's a, like a farming term, like, do you and the oxen, yeehaw, like, are y'all together? Are you connected? You it's know, like yeehaw, isn't it? I is can't it help it. That's what they say. It came up in who, a meeting. Who are these they? I can't tell you who's, and it was, it was in that same high profile meeting, by the way, where I couldn't say. Uh, so this is a, a person who you may or may not be working with. I'm not working with them directly, but I'm working w sort of with. And they say yeehaw. They said it once. And, uh, and, and not like, jihad. That's a different thing. Don't they did not say that. You don't that. want to jihad you with don't somebody. Don't want to say. Yeah. That's a holy war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, man. When we were in Wisconsin the night, so mm -hmm. you were doing really well, and they were, like, I've been to many, many shows. Yeah. And oh, when we did the marriage conference. Yeah. Together. 
And like from where I was in the back, yeah. like, I didn't feel like that the microphone was up loud enough for you. Uh-huh. And I felt like the people were hearing them; they could hear themselves laugh too much. Yeah, and so that they That's... were they were laughing controlled. Yeah, I felt like the, the laughters were controlled. They loved it, but like they were, you know, they didn't want to laugh. They didn't want to just guff haw in front of everybody else. They didn't want to jihaw. Like it needed a little more volume for me. So I, I was talking to the guy, and all your jokes were hitting great. But I thought this is if the room the room feels like you're a professional and you're slaying them. But it doesn't have the high energy that I've heard in other rooms. I think it has to do with the with the sound system right now. Uh-huh. And I turned to the, the promoter, our friend, because I was about to go join you, and I said, "I'm about to eat it." Like you're, oh, about, you you're, didn't think it was I'm coming. about to eat it because if if Johnny is getting a great laugh out of these great jokes, but it but the but if, I don't know what we're going to sound like when I get up there, and uh-huh. these are untested. I've done this once. I'm gonna I'm gonna about to just face plant. Right. So I don't think I did, but no, I think you did great. And when I got up closer, by the way, the laughs were louder. It was from where I was standing. I think. Right, because you're behind everybody. Yeah. It's laughing a different yeah. direction than you. I thought. Well, yeah, normally I turn around and, and laugh at the back of the room, but they didn't this time. Yeah, that's a, that's a lie. That doesn't happen. But it's a. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to laugh louder so I can feel better about this next part. <laughs> Just ask that of the crowd. I need you to give me more. Preachers do that. You're not shouting as loud as I'm preaching. Wait, I'm like, preaching a lot better than you're shouting. I don't you're know. not preaching as good as I think you should. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Preach better, I'll shout. Um, no, but it was, it, was, it was like, I get you though. It's a... It's weird how one thing works in one place, you know. Well, it's why whenever I go to these churches, a lot of churches I do now, they don't have any floor. So I'll request a floor monitor. Yeah. Because I need to be able to hear myself and know that I'm on pitch and all that. And they'll say, um, when I'm singing, they'll be, uh, well, we have in-ears. Yeah. Just bring, and I go, in-ears don't work for comedy because it, it cuts you off from feeling the crowd. Yeah. So there might be, I might need to change directions yeah. with what I'm doing. Based on feel, it totally sets you. Uh, it totally sets you in a different direction. If I feel like I can't, so I'll I'll politely decline that. I'll be like, I'd rather have no monitor at all. Yeah, on stage than to just put these. What about one ear? No, they call you one ear Johnny. Plus, I don't like the guy in the sound booth having control over because I'm always afraid it's going to spike really loud in the middle of my set because yeah. things things can go yeah. wrong. Yeah. yeah, it goes. But, they anyway. burst my wow! That was a good impression yeah. of my eardrum bursting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we did a talk at the marriage thing on resetting your rhythms, and I used the illustration of when I'm running and I come across the perfect song that the BPM is aligned to my stride. Yeah, and it's so much easier to run through that whole song. So we're talking about finding nothing's going to break on my stride. <laughs> Am I right? We've there? Been there. And so it was like the we're going to reset yeah. marriage to the BPM of the gospel. Because mm-hmm. this is where you're, you're, the stride you're made for kind of thing. And so I use the example also of... Um, Do you play a gospel song and then start running in place on stage? That's what show? I did. That's what you did. You put on Kirk Franklin's Stomp. That's what I... Oh, my gosh. I did the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you said, GP, are, are you, you with me? me? And they said, oh, yeah, we have in church ain't going nowhere. <laughs> okay. So keep going. <laughs> <laughs> when you say it just like out that when someone's yeah. writing it on paper like what if we said you know they're having to <laughs> sing it as they write it or yeah. it wouldn't make as much you know yeah yeah uh anywho so i said uh, we wear in church you know when i leave worship we wear these these earpieces you know mm-hmm. and inside we're hearing this click track set to a bpm so that we all come in at the same time i was like and sometimes like there's tracks going on in your ear that says course two three four it's like you know what's oh, coming I didn't know next y'all had that. we don't always use that but they have it 
we usually know and just play it close to the track. But is someone live in your ear okay, saying that? Sometimes we have that. We've had they're the, like this time on key, John. Yeah, <laughs> you get one more shot at this. It's hard, but we have done it before where somebody had a a cueing mic. Uh-huh. Like I've seen it at when we've gone to Watermark. Like the bass player, he has a mic in front of him, but his mic is to the rest of the band in their ears. Oh, so everyone okay. in crowds. I've always wondered that, why yeah. they never use that. Because I'll see that on bands sometimes. I'll be like, that guy's not saying a lick. Why does he have a mic at all? Yep. And it's so he can do that? Yeah, he's talking, he's cueing like, hey guys, let's play the course again. Like he knows what's happening. Uh, hey guys, okay. let's all, let's dime in here. Let's all stop, you know, or whatever. He's he's, he's giving them, if, if so you have a little more ability to to do things live, yet uh-huh. stay on the click or have everybody together. So when it sounds like, oh my gosh, how did they know to keep playing? How do they not all stop at the same time? Somebody's making that call. He's like the band director happens to be. It's like uh, the guy in Mission Control. Yeah, he's exactly. Mission Control. He's like, he, or he's like a conductor. He's just doing it in, in your ears, Johnny. And so. Conduct here. <laughs> New from whatever. And I got done. We ate lunch with some people afterwards and they were like, okay, this guy, he was like, listen, rednecks are everywhere, Johnny. Yeah. And, and rednecks are oh, everywhere. Oh, no. 100%. Oh, my gosh. Wisconsinite, rednecks, Tennessean rednecks, Mississippian rednecks are everywhere. And so he was hilarious. And he liked it. He was, he was, he, he had a big, a big personality. And, yeah. You know, kind of was a life of the party at the table. He's like, now look, everything you just said, uh, can I do, can I do Kentucky guy in a Wisconsin accent? No, I don't know if I can. No. But he kind of sounded country the way he was talking. I don't know. He's like, everything, I liked it all. I don't remember much of it except that one thing you said that I really took away today. You know, we all laughed because his friends were like, you mean to tell me out of all they just said, this yeah. is all, you know. And, and he said, well, I'm just telling you, I've always wondered why all those people on stage had those things in their ears. I had no idea what that was. That you were hearing each other and hearing the yeah. the beat and hearing, the, you know. And he he just thought... This whole time, he didn't know what, why we were all wearing headphones, you know? Yeah. So we're wearing headphones because we're listening to the click, and we're listening to each other in the monitor, and we're listening to maybe somebody tell us what to do, so. And then they just like our lives? Isn't it, though, guys? Don't you we know, need someone to tell us if we're on the right path? Put in the earpiece of community so that the, that the audio of the gospel can come through, and it can keep you on the right rhythm, and then tell you what's coming next and how to respond. There's a... <laughs> there's a... Um, one of my favorite comics uh, is a guy named Bernard Hirsch, and he talks about... You ever go to a church and the prayer turns violent? He talks about all the words we used to use. Like, and we've grown up in a church yeah. like this where they, he goes, he goes, the prayer starts out, Lord, we thank you for your providence. We thank you for this day. We thank you for all we, you've given us. We thank you for this service. Satan, we bind you. We put our foot on your neck. We spray you with the AK of forgiveness. We stab you with the shank of righteousness. He's like, whoa, hey. Let's <laughs> get out of hand quick. It escalated. <laughs> he said, uh, he was in one, he said, he goes, uh, the worship leader takes a lot of, uh, what does he say? He takes too much uh, license. He'd be like, all right, this, on this next verse, let's make the devil real loud with this one. He's like, whoa, 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 hey, I prefer the devil going, no, no, who I am. <laughs> you know, <laughs> The devil destroys a lot of people's lives. I don't want the devil to get mad at me. Just let's, low a little bit, yes. <laughs> let's make the devil real mad with this one. <laughs> it's so funny. We spray you with the AK of forgiveness. Oh, my gosh. We put that our foot funny. on your neck, devil. <laughs> we lead every thought captive. He's like that prayer intensified. It yeah. escalated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting. I had no idea that there was a mic that. Uh, so I knew from the back, but that I don't know. That's interesting. And I, it'd be interesting to see if a pastor. There'd be a funny vi- series of videos where, like, if the pastor has an earpiece in, which is probably true in some cases. Yeah. And if the guy's like, "All right, wrap it up," <laughs> like. 
you're good. So Dane, you've repeated that phrase yeah. 22 times. Yeah, Dane will do that to me sometimes. I won't air the earpiece where I'm speaking, but when I'm leading <laughs> worship, in your ear? he's in the from the sound booth. Oh if he's God. leading sound, there's a talkback mic back there. Yeah, you know? and it really is a talkback mic. Uh-huh. You know, like he's talking back to, but he'll get in there, and I can't always understand him because all smack. the stuff. Yeah, it's like a get on the click. You know what I'm saying? Like guys, you know he'll 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 like jump in and and kind of cue you, uh, but he doesn't mainly to make me laugh. Like he'll try yeah. to. He'll try to get me to crack. So if it's just me up there because I'm closing the service uh-huh. or whatever, sometimes he'll say something. And you can't do anything. It's great. It's like a serious moment. Yeah. It's in a prayer. You know, and he's like saying something like, uh, what was that, John? Like, you yeah. know, because I'll hit a clanger. That's amazing. I'll have a clank every once in a while. You're you're playing and you kind of oh, a bad note. Oh, yeah. And in piano, it's like a, I mean, because I could There's play. There's a lot of keys. There's a lot of wrong There's choices. There's 88 you can ways make. to go wrong on uh-huh. the piano. Oh, that that sounds like a title of a book right there, preach. bro. 88 ways to go wrong. 88 ways to fall. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's all about the clanking. My, <laughs> my History with God and the Piano by John Driver. <laughs> with John Driver. I'm going to ghostwrite my own book, Johnny. Uh-huh. I actually thought about doing that. I thought about what if I used my process mm-hmm. with others to write my own book? Because it's hard for me to write my own book unless you give me my topic already because I have too many things I want to say and I don't trust any of them. Yeah. So for others, I trust it. But for myself, I don't because I could just keep talking forever and ever, you know. So what if I took a sermon or two yeah. like I do for other people and just transcribed all the audio, dropped it into a document and started going through it, you know, like putting yeah. the transitions and the illustrations and all the stuff. And what it's hard, I, it would be hardest to do it for yourself, like you said. Yeah, what if I ghost wrote my own book, though? What if I use the collaborative process with myself, oh, Tony? By John Driver with John Driver. Hashtag John Driver. It would be an amazing <laughs> it's title. It's an experiment. <laughs> with, like, is it another John Driver? Well, sort of. It's, it's kind of. It's his spirit animal. John, John has <laughs> mental health issues. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you split the money evenly somehow, well, still, see, open could, separate accounts. I could write two books of my own a year Yeah, from all the sermons that I write. Man. Like, what if I really these did? these be good books? And sometimes what I say in the sermon is different than what I had in my notes because that's something comes to me while I'm going. Yeah. So what if I did? I mean, it happens for other people. I've just wrote a book for my buddy Mike. Using I do stuff. agree, though, that you can see other people's uh, potential uh, for right or wrong in better than you can see yourself. That's true. That's, that's probably a spiritual principle in, in itself. But like, for instance, I was on a, I did a, a buddy of mine teaches a comedy class. He was like, Hey, will you come be on a panel? I was like, I don't know. He goes, we're having like pro comics on a panel. I go, well, I don't know who I am. He's like, yeah, but you're pro come do it. So people get up and they do their, their new comics. It's their second, le- it's a second level writing class and performance class. So they've been doing comedy for like less than a year, but they have like 10 minutes. Yeah. So they're doing their 10 minutes. And I'm watching them. And of course I did. I, they were doing this and, and it wasn't like I could see mistakes, but I was seeing potential for what they weren't doing. Like one lady had a, she had a character that she brought in or a, a joke that she brought in. And I was like, oh, you should call that back at the end. Yeah. She was like, oh, I didn't even thought of that. She yeah. goes, you mentioned Uncle Ray here, but Uncle Ray should enter in this scene right here. Yeah. But I, but it's really hard to come up with callbacks for yourself. Callbacks are the hardest thing to see in your own show. Callbacks meaning when you reference another joke that you have. I probably have like four in my whole hour. Like if I do an hour show, there might be four callbacks, maybe three. Shake hands with someone you don't know. Right. And I, and I say that one like twice. Yeah, I call it like twice now. Yeah. But that one I wrote literally like three months ago, that second callback. And I've been doing those jokes for some of them five yeah. years plus. So again, it's like it well, should be the title of your next CD, by the way. I thought shake hands DVD. with somebody you don't know. Yeah, I thought that's funny. So 
because uh, it's, it's about whole how pastors we you know we teach kids to not uh, don't talk to strangers and then we get into service and the pastor says shake hands with somebody you don't know right. and then, <laughs> take chances but uh, so yeah so that one it seems like it would be easy for me to write that for another person. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I understand ghostwriting. I can get into that mindset because it's a hundred percent true. Yeah. When you're watching somebody's show, they've been doing it so long the same way. That's the other thing about comedy is you're polishing, polishing, polishing. Yeah. And sometimes you're not adding to it. Mm-hmm. So the best thing you can do is listen to your own show. Like you're talking about, drop your own sermons into a file and look at it objectively. Yeah. So like the best thing you can do on the way to a long show is like, listen to an old set and treat it like you would another comic set and yeah. start trying to write tags for yourself. Yeah. Because it's so easy to be like, well, I've told it this way to, you know, for five years, this it's, it gets stuck that way. It's like a, it's like a map is formed. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, it's a, I will say this, man, writing for others is so much, I do think there's a spiritual principle there because mm-hmm. writing for the others is so, is so much more, it's, things are just clear. Yeah, there's much more. There's a lot more clarity for it, and part of that probably is me being of six and having a committee inside, and not. I don't feel confident in my own. That's called multiple personality disorder. Decisions. Josh. You have a committee. <laughs> I've got a committee inside me. I do. Decision making is by committee. Like a yeah. menu can be difficult for me. It really, mm-hmm. really can. A menu can be difficult for me, but give me a give me someone else's problem. Like yeah. again, Andrew's house yesterday. You know. I can see a hundred ways I would go do this right now for his problem. Yeah. You know, but if it was mine, probably not. Like I would be asking everybody, what should I do? So like there's a, there's, and I'm trying to grow there. Um, but how that affects me as a writer, it's so funny. I'm, I'm more fulfilled and safe. I mean, part of it is, is just, it's such a, a God driven thing that, um, I get to write a lot because I write for others. There's no limit to the number of projects I can put out at once. Mm-hmm. If you write your own, you can't compete with yourself in the market. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You write for others, you can compete with yourself all you want. No one cares. You're just the you're just the collaborative guy. You're a ghost, John. Yeah, you're just a ghost. I'm ghosting the industry. Mm. Um, and and so like that's you get a lot more reps that way. Yeah, like if you're writing your own, you put out one maybe a year, usually every two. Most people who are prolific are putting out one every two years. If that, that'd be that'd be a really a really good pace, like for book writing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can put out four. In a year, if I want, because and so there's a lot more reps to get to write, a lot more because writing is like comedy or speaking or anything else. It is about reps, and then secondly, like and, and just to be quite honest, the blessing of it is mm-hmm. I never get blamed for how poorly it does. If a book doesn't yeah, do well, no there's one a shield there. Yeah, no one ever goes ah, you know they're going to blame yeah, the author or the publisher, right? They're never going to say because it went through editing and everything else, and yeah. so either you were on board, but if it does well. I get part of the credit always. They're like, "Oh man, you wrote that book," and and <laughs> so it's like this. It's like this perfect. Who wouldn't want to? Who? Who indeed, John? Who wouldn't want to? Let me just that? say this about ghostwriting. I had a memory the other day that made me laugh so hard. So I have a buddy uh, who his name's Jason, and he uh, dated this girl one time, and he met her at some Christian conference or something. And he was like, "This." We were like sixteen or seventeen. He was like. Oh man, she's so great. And she's beautiful. She writes the most beautiful like poetry. She wrote this poem to me and like he fell in love with her basically because of this poem. So I go, let me see it. I look at it and it's like, it starts out oceans apart day after day. No way. As I slowly go insane. He goes, she's, she's like so deep. And then it gets into, (laughs) and then it gets to this other part. This other, the next stanza was wherever you go, whatever you do, 
I'll be right here waiting for you. Whatever it takes or how my heart. I go, this is a Richard Marks song. He didn't know. No. Oh, my god! Because we, we grew up on like, we didn't listen to secular music. Like his, his dad was an evangelist. And <laughs> so this girl who was a Christian, you know, conference girl, she took advantage of this, his lack of knowledge <laughs> of his that. secular ignorance. So she wooed him with wow. a Richard Mark song. And were I not there, they might have, what if they went on and got married? Oh, my gosh. I kiboshed the whole thing. I was like, this. Was this, he mad? I don't know if he was mad. Maybe it didn't even affect things. I don't know. I think that's why they broke up. It's just, you know, she turned out to be crazy in another way. But. Did she claim it to be her own? Yes. For sure. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Man. It was written in her handwriting. Man. It wasn't like she was like, hey, I found this thing. I made a copy of it. Wow. She wrote it and was like, bye. You know, I won't say her name, but. It reminds me of the who's on the Lord's side. But it's so funny, like the idea of that that you would that you could get away with that. That's how insulated we were from secular culture. Yeah, that you could get away with that. Be like, yeah, I wrote this thing. Yeah, that's that's bad at that point. Yeah, (laughs) and then under the under the flag of Christianity, you're lying. Yeah, to manipulate to get your way by using. Oh my goodness, guys, isn't that just like what's happening? I don't in all of our lives. Isn't that? No, (laughs) if it is, guys, (laughs) change something. Yeah, but listener, wherever you go and whatever you do, we'll be right here waiting for you. This podcast, whatever it takes, how our heart breaks. I will say this, there is a chance, listener, and I don't want to commit to full out, but there's a chance I'm going to be out of town next week, I'm supposed to be, and we may not, we mm-hmm. may not have an episode next week. Uh, perhaps we'll post, maybe we'll have an episode, maybe we'll do a callback, or sorry, a throwback. Or you said callback earlier. Call in. Yeah. You're not going to call in from Disney, though. You're no, going to Disney. No, I'm supposed to be in Disney, although there's a lot of stuff around here. The Again, the but my friends and elders are advising me to go ahead and go, so... Because I'm trying to be. You gotta listen to your elders. It turns out I'm not. You had to respect your elders. It turns out I'm not like the hub and the key that holds the whole world together. And so it's okay if I go. I think. So, I think what happened is you booked this vacation knowing that a tornado was coming. Absolutely. You said I need to get out as soon as this right. hits. As soon as this hits, so I can flake. This takes out one of my best friends in the world's home and all of his cars and worldly possessions. I don't want to be there for that. Right. No. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and skip You town. need to be in the most the happiest place on earth. Right. I'm going to be walking around acting like none of this is happening. Eating right. like a churro and a weird, like one of those uh, ice creams with the Mickey ears on. Oh, yeah. The Mickey bars. Yeah. It's, they really, they're just ice cream, but it tastes different. I can't help it. I don't know <laughs> what it is. Everything tastes different at Disney. <laughs> so we may not be here, but there's a chance we may do a throwback or I might get back and we could do a Sunday recording or something or early Monday podcast possibly yeah. recording so we don't know so but if for some reason you don't get one next week please don't judge us we haven't missed one in over a year it's, so we've been so good you guys can you guys give us a break we got hit by a tornado get off our backs i did not have electricity until two o'clock this morning yeah it finally Mine came, came back, back yesterday yeah yeah guys i haven't had a shower in 17 we, days it's unbelievable and um, some of that was not tornado related right it was it's before john way before hygiene problems an issue. i mean i usually take one every couple of weeks whether i need it or not yeah. but it, it you know so but you know we will we'll see what happens but make sure you sh- you share and listen there are th- ways you can be involved to help with tornado relief yeah uh obviously just you know you don't need us to help you find those things but i would encourage you to help somebody find out what's going on in someone's life and pray for them for real pray for them that really really helps um mm-hmm. and go find ways that you can be a part you're about to say something? Oh, I was going to say, I bought a shirt through, I have, there's a there's a company, local company called Project 615, and they make these really great uh, yeah. graphic design t-shirts. 
And one of them they designed for the tornado relief. It's, it says Nashville Strong on it. It has a picture of the Batman building with a heart. And it's really beautiful and a cool design. And I bought two of those uh, two days ago when they first like came out. Like They came out the day. It was like hours after the wow. uh, the tornado. So uh, you can buy those in 100% of those proceeds. That's project615.org, I believe. Okay. So that's Sweet. one way you can give back and get a cool uh, shirt, too. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot more. And again, we, and we hope you guys hear our heart that we decided – Everybody who's affected by this, sometimes they just want to hear something normal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we had a podcast today. We know there's a lot of people hurting out there. We really are thinking about you and we're trying to, to be a part of it. And we don't want to make light of those things. Our goal is just to encourage as we go through and uh, and make sure people are aware so they can be prayerful and, and helpful in all that they do. So that means a lot to us that you listen. Make sure you share. Uh, we've gained quite a few listeners in the last, uh, since 2020 began. We appreciate that. And uh, want you guys to continue and pass it along. And it's making a big difference. Uh, uh, we hope it's making a big difference. I mean, I, I don't know how to measure that, Johnny. But we hear good things from people. How yeah. about that? We do. Yeah. So, hey, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on. Talk about that. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.